When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In the late 90s, I had moved back to Oregon, to the Portland area from uh, southeastern Ohio. I'd been married for a few years at this point. We had a two-bedroom townhouse, and in our spare bedroom, which basically was for guests, we also had a kind of an office set up. I was by myself in the this spare room and um, I was on the internet. We'd only had it for three years or so at that point, and they still had like the, you know, the old modems and everything. At the corner of my eye, I saw a black thing move. Well, we had a black cat. So <laughs> actually at that point, I think we had two black cats. And so I, I naturally assumed it was a black cat. I didn't really pay too much attention, but my eyes just slid over to look at the cat, like, you know, what does she want? And I was shocked because it was definitely not a cat. Um, what came basically sort of roiling, scooting, <laughs> flowing out from under the bed was this small little black smoke thing. It just went kind of right back under the bed. Like it, it realized I saw it, like it moved intelligently. And it was about mm, a little over a foot long maybe and about six, seven inches in diameter, not really big, roughly the size and shape of our small cat. But when I looked at it, it was, it looked like smoke, but it was moving more like liquid. And it was, it was just very strange. And it reminded me a little bit of, um, you know, at Halloween, they sell that black cotton batting stuff. It was similar to that, except it was moving. It was sort of uh, rolling in and out, like in and out of itself, which was remarkable. And it kind of scooted out on the floor and I looked at it and like, oh my God. And I felt really grateful. I usually sit in chairs in a cross-legged fashion and I was really grateful my feet weren't on the floor because I was just, what is that thing? Of course I was, but I did jump down off of the chair and I looked under the bed and couldn't see anything. There was enough light that I could, and I had nothing stored under there or anything. And there was nothing there. And I'm like, okay. And I went and told my husband about what I saw. And he just kind of looked at me like, really? And then went on a wild ride for the next three months. (laughs) I'm Jim Perry, and this is Euphemet, a show about the unknown and our relationship to it. This time... Some of us feel like we live under a perpetual black cloud. For Lucy, that black cloud lives right beside her. Next, on Euphemed. Oregon is a place known for its dark days. It's low-hanging black clouds that flow through the valley nestled between the Cascade and coastal ranges. However, Lucy and her husband could have never imagined living with this sort of darkness in the summer and inside their own home. It turns out the black cloud of smoke was here to stay. Two or three nights later, my husband was using the internet. He He was on the computer and I was off doing something else. And he saw it, and he kind of came down and goes, okay, okay, I know you're ta- what you're talking about. I've seen it, 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 and it went right by my feet. And he said he thought it was the cat, and he reached down to pet it and discovered, as his hand was about to touch it, that it was not a cat. 
and he kind of ah. <laughs> so we talked about it and it was just you know what is this thing what's going on but he acted a little even though we'd both <laughs> seen and experienced so many strange things in our lives in fact that's how we met was because we we had mutual friends that also had strange things happen I started a pagan group that was did witchcraft and um, just kind of Wiccan. It was very Wiccan, uh, if people are familiar with that. And that ran for like 10 years. And this is kind of about in the middle of that, roughly. He still was a little bit skeptical, like, really? You know, and so when he saw it, of like, hey, I told you, I told you. And he was a bit more alarmed. And I was a bit more intrigued, which is also interesting because usually I was a scaredy cat and he was the one who was a bit more brave. And this time our rules were a bit reversed. and. Why was that? Maybe there's a reason for that. At the time, I thought, well, this is strange. How come he's more freaked out by it than I am? Around the same time, I will say, there was a few little taps and uh, whaps and thunks on the walls and on furniture. But we lived in a townhouse, so we had neighbors on both sides of us. So you don't really pay that much attention to weird little sounds coming from walls because you have neighbors. So we didn't give it much thought. but. As the weeks progressed, we started hearing more of these weird little uh, thumps and taps and bangs and um, wondering about it. And we continued, I'd say at least two or three times a week. The next few weeks, we continued to see this black smoke thing. Definitely something very strange. It was sticking around and um, that was not something I was used to at all. I was home during the day. Uh, my husband was at work, and I did work part-time um, at a store, but it was like a part-time thing. I was in and out. So I was home more often than he was. So I, got to, I saw it more often than he did. And as the weeks passed, the black smoke thing, it got bigger. In about a month or so, I think, it was upright. It was seeming to form a body as time went on, and the body was getting more and more detailed. I didn't, there was no face, there was no clothes. It was just this black smoke. But the black smoke was getting more shaped. It was maybe the size of a one-year-old, and then maybe the size of a two-year-old, and it was walking on two legs, had um, roughly two arms and a head. It was taking the form of something more human-like. It was kind of adorable. It would kind of put its hands around the, the wall, and it would kind of lean over and kind of peep around corners. And it didn't want to be seen, which I thought was kind of interesting, but occasionally he caught it. Because a couple times I pretended not to see it, and I'd kind of watch it out of the side of my eye. I'd kind of look, nobody's seeing, and then go in, you know, across the hallway into the bathroom or something. And We had uh, uh, participants from our circle that were over just to socialize or for other events that we were doing and they sometimes saw it. So I had witnesses who were like, um, in fact, I had one lady who was like, um, there's like, a, I don't know, a shadow, but it was like three dimensional. And she's like, and it was just peeping around the corner. And then it, and as soon as I looked at it, it kind of went back and, and I go, oh yeah, that's our little black smoke monster, which is what we called it at the time. And she's like, okay. <laughs> it just, I kept people up on what was happening, but I don't know. I was, uh, I went between bemusement and amusement. I, it was just very, you know, my feelings other than just massive curiosity. I was just, the as it changed, I was like, why is it changing? And it's growing. Why is it growing? And the fact it was changing and growing, again, alarmed my husband at the time. And I, but I was just like, but, it, and I have to emphasize something else too, because I realized something when I, um, I talk about this, 
they think, you know, if it's black, it's evil, you know, it's, it's got to be. And I, I think people, if they lived a normal life, I'd already had so many experiences at that point that um, I actually run into things that were very, uh, I don't know if you necessarily demonic, but definitely very negative, very menacing. And there's this air of threat and the energy that comes off is just pure hatred for those types of things. And this thing did not have anything like that. All I could get from it was curiosity and maybe hunger for energy, maybe. lights would blink on and off, um, light bulbs were, were, would sometimes explode or we sometimes got weird things like blue arcs of electricity would come out of one light bulb and kind of go off and hit a metal thing in the house, which is way wrong. That is not normal. It got into phone lines. There were times when I was on the phone where all of a sudden we'd hear all these, these weird sounds on the phone and I'm like, get out of the phone line, you know. Everything we had that had a battery in it got drained, including smoke detectors. And we had different, you know, smoke detectors, different kinds with different types of batteries, and they all would go off within a few days of putting a new battery in it. Strange things like that were going through electricity, and it was just, it was getting more expensive. We kept replacing batteries and light bulbs like crazy. <laughs> it was very chaotic, and yet I was just, I was just so intrigued by what this thing was, and I, I, I wanted to know what to do with it, but I wasn't sure if there was anything that could be done with it. It's almost like it was expanding its search for energy food. And for some reason, part of that seemed to include water, running water, because it kept turning on faucets. And I had one rather spectacular thing happen. I heard the faucets go on full blast in the upstairs bathroom. And I ran up there and I saw that the bathtub was on, the sink was on, and to my horror, the toilet started filling up and everything was just going all at once. I was like, what the heck? So I tried to, to, to turn off the, you know, I reached under the toilet and got the valve and tried to turn it off. And it was turning against my hand and stronger than I was. And I was just like, oh no. This was kind of crazy, like several things turning on all at once and stronger than, it was just nuts. So I ran to the guy who was the manager um, who, who kind of took care of the plate. And I'm like, oh my God, there's something happening. You've got to help me. I can't turn off the water. So he went in and he saw it happening and he tried to turn it off and he couldn't do it. So he had to go outside and turn it off from like the street, turned it back on again. And it, luckily at that point, everything seemed to, be, to calm down. And at that point, I realized I had an issue because this thing was turning on faucets every single day. I wasn't worried so much about, oh no, there's a poltergeist that's scary. I was worried about, you know, damage to the floor. <laughs> so I was just, um, this is not good. And so I, I went downstairs, I used the kitchen faucet and then I used the bathroom, the downstairs bathroom faucet. And I basically told this thing, please don't turn on faucets anymore. I'll leave one faucet on all the time for you. So if you need it on, okay, there's one faucet right here. Maybe it was eating the energy of the water flowing through metal pipes. I didn't know. I was completely speculating, but it obviously wanted faucets on. So I left a faucet on. And after that, uh, for the rest of the time it was there, it never turned on another faucet. That seemed to work. It was like a little compromise. It was working with me, which was interesting. Um, at one point, well, actually at several points, um, I tried to communicate with it. I would say on any average week, I would see it between two and three times, and I would hear it probably 
four to five times and maybe do a tapping session once or twice. Well, I would hear taps like in the walls, but also sometimes on the side of furniture, like, you know, a table or, you know, countertop in the kitchen or whatever. And I'd hear these little, like just something, just making a quick little tapping sound, like, um, and different kinds. Sometimes it was a more of a whump, like a softer uh, thumping sound. Sometimes it's a sharper thwack. Um, it'd be different kinds of sounds on different surfaces. Um, and it would happen fairly regularly. Um, and then things would be quiet for a while. But every day I was hearing some taps and, and thunks. Because this thing was thumping and whacking, I thought, well, maybe it can do it on purpose. And, um, and I'd heard of people communicating with them. I mean, even in 1998, that wasn't un unfamiliar in the you know, literature and that kind of thing. And I just started trying like, hey, can you, can you tap on purpose? And sometimes I would tap on something a few times and try to see if it would, and it would tap back. And I experimented just whenever it seemed like it was active. Um, if I, like if I wasn't in the middle of doing something else, I would, you know, get up and, and or I'd stop what I was doing. If watching TV, I'm like, oh, that's okay. TV can wait. <laughs> Let's see what's going on here. And I would get up and I would, and I would try talking to it. And I would try like, you know, can you tap once? And I would tap once and see if it would answer. And uh, to begin with, sometimes it did and sometimes it didn't. But whenever it was, it would answer, then I would try to get it to the next stop. And it'd be like, okay, you know, I'm gonna do two taps. Can you do two taps? And it would do two taps or not, depending. Like I said, it's always seemed to be able to, um, the tapping thing, it always had like a, a certain amount of time or energy before it would stop because it just, it's like it just ran out of gas or something. So who, who knows, maybe by, by asking it to tap, I was just draining its batteries quicker, which then drained our batteries quicker. So maybe it wasn't helping that situation. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, so I just, I would just try to, to see what it would, um, how it would respond. And, and it didn't, I didn't get a lot of satisfaction from that other than um, I could tell it was, it could, it could figure out yes and no. It could figure out like, you know, I tap three times and see if it would tap back three times. And it would, you know, I could tell it was, the longer it went on, it could understand me better and better. It could um, answer more clearly, more cogently the longer we did it. You know, do you have to have the water faucet on? I, that was one of the things I asked it. It's like, yes. So I left the water faucet on. I mean, after I tried that, but I never thought to ask it that question when it kept turning the faucets on. Sometimes it just wouldn't answer, <laughs> but it would answer for another question. Uh, it liked being in the house. Um, and like, I would try to ask where it came from. It's like, do you come from the woods? And there would be no answer. Do you come from the desert? No answer. Do you come from below? Do you come from above? Like, no answer. Like, it didn't have concepts of place, maybe, you know. It said it liked me. It said it liked my friends. It likes the animals, you know. Um, it was responding. I actually seemed like kind of a friendly little guy who was just clumsy as heck um, in handling things. After all the destruction, Lucy's husband Garrett decides to take things into his own hands and get rid of the smoke once and for all. But uh, yeah, he and I did have a couple of heated discussions and um, and I never stopped him from trying to get rid of it. I, I never, you know, said, don't do that. I'm like, you know, do what you need to do. But just, but had, I, it was, I had a very odd attitude at the time. It wasn't like hurtling objects across the room. It wasn't hurting the animals. It wasn't scaring us. It was kind of staying out of the way. I have to admit though, um, 
the the money the money we're going through for uh, for uh, smoke detectors, light bulbs, batteries, and the rest. Um, you know, the the scare with the plumbing and everything was it was just wreaking havoc, and it, it could be turning into more and more expensive disaster. So it's not like I didn't understand his point of view by any means. Um, he did several like rituals to try to rid the house of this thing. He actually like he did a couple extra smudgings. He did some chanting, and I had a weird feeling that it wouldn't work, and it didn't. And I had a weird feeling that the only one who could get rid of it was me. And why did I think that? Because I thought, well, maybe it's a type of fairy, um, and maybe it was summoned during our fairy thing that we did out in the desert. I had a group of around anywhere from 9 to 12 people on average. And this particular year, I, we did something that we hadn't done before, and that was um, for the Letha, the summer solstice in 1998, we went to the Oregon desert. The desert was something new and different. It was quiet, it was a clear night. It was very dry. It was just a sagebrush and some uh, jack pines. We were next to a, a gorge on the other side, if you were in the right spot, you could kind of look over, you could see these lights, which we thought belonged to a casino, because we were just barely on this borderline of a Native American reservation. So it, we were pretty alone. And we decided to, to celebrate our uh, Letha at that time. And Letha, uh, for our particular trad, Letha was our fairy festival. And we always did a three-weekend, a three-day weekend thing with everybody in the group. And it was, the reason we had it as a fairy festival was because um, the research I'd done had shown that the most strange events, UFO sightings, Sasquatch sightings, um, all these different things and weird beings that maybe we might call fairies, some people call them other dimensionals or ultra terrestrials, they peak at the summer solstice. Interestingly, in the summer solstice, say in Australia, which is in December, the same thing holds for some strange reason. And I think it was John Keel who first noticed this, but other researchers have noticed the same thing. And while we were out there, um, we were in an A-frame uh, building and um, we, were, uh, we, we talked and socialized and hung out. And, and then for that Saturday night, we did our basic ritual as a group and um, it was very nice. But afterwards, and everybody's kind of relaxing and some went to have a drink or two. And I went into the desert a little bit and found a nice boulder and sat down and I did this sort of a communing slash summoning spell. And it was very generalized and I don't want to go into any too much detail about it, but it was sort of an experiment. I just was kind of seeing if anything would happen. And I just had a couple of physical clues afterwards and I thought, okay, well, something happened, I'm not sure what. And we went home and everything was normal and nothing else seemed to happen until um, August, I believe it was um, August 8th, there was a lunar eclipse. And for anything like lunar eclipses, as well as full moons, we would get together. Those of us were a little bit more advanced in training and we would try, you know, experiment with different types of spell casting and various things. And I had a dental exam coming up and I have severe phobias for dentists. And I didn't, um, I know a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, some of magic, I can't say all of it, but some of magic is about psychologically tapping into our inner resources. And so I had this great idea, I thought, that I would do a binding spell on my fear. Among other things involved me looking to my eyes in the mirror and just trying to do this thing. And I think, uh, well, for one thing, it did not work. <laughs> the, the trip to the dentist was a disaster. He said, you're, so, you're the most phobic person I've met in 30 years, sent me home with a prescription for Valium before he came back. But the weirdest part was that this is what you call unintended consequences, side effects. Um, 
the spell, um, like I said, did nothing for my fear, but oddly enough, about within three days, I saw this strange smoke thing. And um, so I think there was something that happened. And I think maybe when I did the binding thing, maybe I bound it to myself, I'm not sure. And I just, yeah, I'm, <laughs> the spell wasn't, I think the focus of the spell was a little bit more general than it needed to be. And there's a couple of things I did that I realized not looking back. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I wondered though right away because of what I just done with the uh, binding spell. And of course I realized within a week or so that, you know, I saw the dentist and it didn't work. Um, I wondered if the binding spell had gone wrong because that's the only thing I could think of that might have uh, triggered something. And I, it was not, I'm like, is that my fear separated from me? Like I was going through all this speculation trying to figure out what that could be. Um, but it didn't make me feel fearful and it didn't, it seemed, it, it didn't act like something that I would expect that would fit that pattern, if that makes sense. I'd had it at one point because whenever it got into something, it would tend to destroy it. And I was on the phone with somebody and I heard the modem go off upstairs on its own like something was trying to access the internet from our computer and the computer was off, but something had turned on the computer and was getting into the modem. At that point, I'm like, no, the, the computer was too much money. I could not afford to replace the computer. The old, you know, when you had to access the internet, it went through this long thing with all these, the string of sounds that everybody from that era remembers perfectly. Um, but it kept on, um, it kept going, it kept screeching. I just got really angry at this thing and I ran up the stairs and I said, stop it. I'm like, just get out of the computer, get out of the phone lines, get out of the you know, internet, get out of my house. This is enough, too much. I just yelled at it. It was you know, several feet tall at that point and it was, had longer arms and legs. It, wasn't, it almost had like, to begin with, it was almost like lumps um, rather than legs and arms. And then the lumps just got longer and longer and got more formed. I knew it was in the room somewhere, even if it wasn't necessarily because I couldn't see the black thing. And I knew it could kind of go through things, get into walls, all this kind of stuff. I was flinging um, energy just all around because I didn't know where it was in the room. I just knew it was somewhere in the room. And I was flinging energy around, um, like, get out, get out, get out. And I was just, you know, uh, like shards of energy, if, I, if you can imagine that, just in all directions. I was just hoping that maybe I'd smack it or <laughs> somehow <laughs> randomly some part of energy would maybe smack it like, no, I'm serious, get out. It was still going, the noises in the modem and the, mo the noises coming from the computer area and the phone area, and it would just finally just went, Ee! it just had this long, maybe five second screech, which was just ear splitting. And then it just stopped and it went quiet. When I was flinging the energy around and yelling, I'd never done that. It always seemed to try to avoid touch, I guess, maybe. It just, it always seemed to try to hide. And so maybe it was afraid of that. I don't know. And I was terrified that maybe something was broken, but I, I checked and, um, okay, the computer was fine. And I went back online to check that and it, and it went on the way it was supposed to. And I, I went off and it went off fine. I'm like, okay, everything seems to be working. <gasps> Uh, <laughs> because yeah, I couldn't afford to replace everything. And, um, and uh, yeah, it was just, it was, I don't know. I think I was so angry that even though all of that stuff was happening, the, the crescendo of the emotion just went with my anger so perfectly that I didn't really, I didn't really think about it that much. It just, it just seemed like it was, I don't know. It was just a part of whatever was happening. Um, 
its endings created that that last bit of screech and um yeah I, it was just part of a part of how it all happened i guess and um After my 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 uh, tantrum, <laughs> after I did all of that, within you know a few hours later, I actually felt a bit regretful. Like you know, I just I sent you know this thing was learning, and it's almost like I was mothering it or something and teaching it. And then I it you know it did this thing wrong, and and I got rid of it. And I felt like wow, I'm a bad mother, <laughs> which is a very strange emotion to have. And, and but I did feel kind of guilty, like it. Did it know where else to go? Like, how does this work? Did I just banish it to a different dimension? Did it just kind of return to its home base? I have no idea. Um, I wondered about it for years and years, obviously. Jarek was relieved when I told him what happened, and I said it's been quiet ever since. He says, well, let's hope it's gone. And, uh, and indeed it was. And when we replaced, you know, everything was replaced, everything worked normally again. Um, the, we never had another over, overly high pressure thing happened with the water lines and it didn't happen in any other apartment just ours which also doesn't make sense so these things that if you try to poo-poo it and scientifically go, well, you know, the debunking process, you know, was it this, you know, here's all these reasonable sounding explanations for all these things that happened. And I was coming at it from a magical standpoint of somebody that, that works um, quite often with psychic things and magical things. Whatever I did in the desert, I think summoned it, I think gra grabbed its attention, but it's like it needed one other ingredient to manifest. And I think that ingredient was the accidental, you know, I tried to bind my own fear and then boom this thing popped up and um, it was a lunar eclipse and there's a lot of other weird things happening and we'd had um, I don't even remember if there was a, a solar storm that had happened around the same time I mean I'm not sure but there was a couple of interesting things that were happening around that time and um, um, and I, I just think that things that had to kind of line up perfectly for that to happen and but once it was there I just I did feel kind of like it was my little guy it was my little buddy and which is weird um, it might not make sense to the prevailing paradigm of reality, but um, there, it's still there was that that uh, whatever these other things are that intrude in our in our reality, they don't really care what we think is real or not, or what most of society thinks is real or not. They're going to come and go and do their own thing regardless, and we don't get to say you don't exist, therefore stop. <laughs> if I could, I think today. If it happened again, I'd probably set up at one of those plasma balls <laughs> right next to a water fountain and go, there you go, food and water, you know. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, something where it could get electricity in a way that wouldn't damage, wouldn't damage anything. It wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't have to go through batteries and all that. It's like maybe there's a different way of feeding it. Thank you for listening to this edition of Euphemed. Thank you to Lucy for being our guest. Lucy is a Euphemet listener who emailed me their story, and you can have your story featured too. Reach out to me at jim at euphemet.com. Thank you to all of our sponsors. And for everything Euphemet, including how you can subscribe to the show, links to our Patreon and social media, 
visit euphemet.com. And for even more, check out Night Drift, our podcast discussing Euphemet and hosting panels on topics at the intersection of society and strange. Night Drift can be found wherever you listen to podcasts. And right now is a great time to catch up on Night Drift as a new season is upcoming. Original score for this edition by John McEdward. This has been Euphemet, and I'm Jim Perry. Until next time, keep looking up.